That's fine. It's, I mean, and this might be like, you know, an hour of stuff, but it's like, there's, there's a lot of like speculative shit. There was actually an, uh, another conference that I didn't get to go to. I did actually get approved for it, but I didn't see the email until too late. That was in Atlanta, RX Summit in Atlanta. And this is one of those conferences where people come and wall out. Like you get stakeholders from different, different sides. Um, sometimes physicians, sometimes patients that are like receiving pain management. Um, I'll just make it a point to talk about that when we discuss learning. Well, at, we're talking at this particular conference. We're talking. Are we we're talking, talking now? now? Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, let's go. Let's go. Hey, man. First off, I want to say it feels great to be back on the mic. It has been too long. Obviously, you know, we say it every time. This shit is, you know, we ain't shit. No, nah, I mean, busy. well, see, see, there's a there's a nice balance. Like, you definitely want to produce content, and you know, we're not like content producers. This isn't our jobs and stuff. But you know, you also want to be like, you want to like do podcasts that are worthwhile. Like, you know, there are people who, and this is their job, so power to them. But they dropping stuff every day. Like, you know, I want the the listeners to be, you know, yeah, kind of real shit, waiting and fiending for the for the RTBTH. You know. Yeah, Malcolm Gladwell drops his shit in seasons. His is not an every week podcast. Yep, yep. <laughs> now compared us to fucking Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> all right, but yo, all right. So today we have a very interesting topic, Day. I'm not sure if you brought this up or if this was just in the news and then we thought this was a dope thing to talk about. Well, you because, went to a conference. Well, I went to a conference, but but even beyond that, there was like real world shit happening, real life, you know, policy decisions being made, money being spent by the government, shit like that going on. And it happens to be some of the stuff that I work in every day. But the title of this one is uh, Biochemical Warfare, particularly involving the fentanyl crisis that's going on right now. So, indeed, indeed. Yes, yeah, you I'm know, excited we, to get into it. We're just probably going to have a little bit of a loose conversation. I mean, Herschel, this is your research. You know, for people who are not aware, we are some researching ass niggas. Uh, I mean, I, I'm like, I'm more, I would consider myself more of a clinician, data analyst type guy. But Herschel actually out here doing some pretty significant researches. Um, so, <laughs> so, you know, hopefully we can uh, just share what we know and uh, just have fun, you know, just do what we do on the podcast. But first, this is the first podcast that we're doing with our new intro music. Shout out to Justin Blackman uh, for producing this. Uh, this is a, a Blackman production. I believe that's how you say it. Shout out to the big homie Jamal for introducing us to Justin many, many years ago. I mean, this is the one of the best things about life is meeting new niggas because of niggas that you already knew. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to edit it in, but any words about the new intro music, Herschel? <laughs> Bro, I love it. I'm excited. We got outros and shit like that too. Some drops. Um, I mean, we coming up, man. It's, it's great. I'm very excited. Yeah. Yo, appreciate you, Justin. Here's the new intro music. Yo, that nigga got me feeling all right. Oh yeah. Got me feeling like I actually know how to do this shit. Got down. Freestyling. What's up? What's your boy? I'm so glad to be here. Back in the A. From Boston, man. Bitton. Tune. Tunday. Tunday. Baba. Baba T. Baba Tunday. Baba Tunday. That's me. Let's go. R2BTA. 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 Real talk beyond the headlines. 
podcast in the land. Get ready. What we talking about today, Tune? All right. Um, yo, welcome and welcome back. All right. So we're going to just dive right into it. First off, bruh, so we're talking about, uh, you know, the opioid crisis, the opioid epidemic that's been going on the past couple of decades. Shit's been shifting in different ways the past few years. I'll give a little bit of background information for you and our listeners and shit like that. But I'm sure you guys have seen shit like this in the news. It's been multiple TV shows made about the shit like Dope Sick, um, even like uh, and that was like a docudrama, um, more drama than docu, but. You know, it, it's dealing with uh, uh, Purdue Pharma and shit like that. Like there, there are real ki- uh, figures in um, a lot of this media. And then you also have like drama, drama, like Breaking Bad and shit like that, that kind of touches on, you know, the drug dealer and user side of, you know, the drug crisis. And I mean, overall, we got like, you know, I, who was it, Nancy Reagan or whatever that was having the war on drugs, which, you know, we'll just kind of get into where we're at with that. Yeah. war on drugs as we're discussing <laughs> biochemical warfare yeah just um, gotta give a, a quick shout out to governor maura healy the new governor of massachusetts who when she was the attorney general of massachusetts was one of the leading governors leading figures in the prosecution against purdue pharma and uh you know i don't know exactly where things land but part purdue's been ordered to you know pay some whatever number of billions and the sacklers specifically the sacklers own personal money they're being required to to pay money um but maura healy was a big part of that i voted for her in the election and i think she's the first lesbian governor in the history of the united states so anyway shout out to her salute 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 to that yo also while we're in the mode of saluting Bruh, so obviously we're talking about some shit that destroys lives, that is bad, but it also has been helpful. You know, these are medical uh, uh, tools that physicians are using, prescribing and shit. So straight up, we got to say salute to science, salute to modern chemistry, salute to modern medicine, because on some real shit, like we've come a long way since. uh, So even like fentanyl and shit, I think it was first uh, developed in like the 70s the 19th, or, 80s or some shit. I think the like 1950 something 59 Okay, maybe. 50, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's read old about as fuck. it just recently. Yeah, so, you know, and people have been in pain in pain forever, but you know, shout out to Accessory to War, the book by um Neil deGrasse Tyson and some other dude that re- basically discusses how like any tech- technological advancement ends up getting manipulated and used for warfare or just destruction or, you know, profit. Somebody is going to come up on, you know, whatever the new thing is, whether it's, oh, man, we got new plastics that can like coach your outdoor patio set or some shit like that, but also happens to be carcinogenic or whatever the fuck, you know? Yep. But I mean, salute, like real talk, especially, you know, you and I as scientists, like, you know, we wouldn't be here today without the, the physicists, the mathematicians, the biologists, the chemists that came before that were like, yo what if we do this? Like what happens, what happens next? You know, oh, this is a little better than before. And then, you know, oh, this is a little bit worse. Oh damn, I made mustard gas. Oh, this is useful for fucking World War One. Oh nah, that's too much, you know? So mm-hmm. um, in kind of just diving into this as a biochemical warfare, it's important to think about history because like the opioid wars were also a real thing. People have kind of described you know, I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but it's it's also backwards. Um, the opioid wars occurring in China, where Great Britain basically had a stranglehold on their economy, particularly in um, uh, Hong Kong, which they 
uh, was technically like a British territory until, I don't know, a couple of years ago, like the two th- 2000s, 2010 or some shit like that. Y'all look it up. Look it up. <laughs> yeah, it, um, is, it is recent as fuck. Yeah, it's some crazy shit like that where, again, they, you know, were utilizing this substance to just basically, you know, oppress a people. And there's a lot of concern that it may be occurring today uh, across not only the United States, but developed nations. North America, Europe has its own opioid crisis that's going on. Wait, Shit wait, is crazy. wait, wait, wait. We, I definitely understand this is an opioid crisis, but you know, when you bring up the opium wars, you're suggesting that there's some sort of external figure or organization or something that's like pushing this crisis upon us. Am I getting well, ahead of, of our of us of ourselves? So that, that's the thing. Like once once you start to all right. So first off. A lot of this shit is allegedly like we cannot prove <laughs> that China is out here poisoning. For the lawyers, yes, allegedly is poisoning American society. Like that's not you know that's not what I'm saying at all. Yeah. Okay. I would also but like maybe. to say I would like to say I, it makes me a little uncomfortable to say China because it's it, that wraps up Chinese people. I know people in the states who are Chinese or of Chinese descent, and it's not you know it's not I you know. I, it's, yeah, hard it's unfair to, say, to to individual pe- persons. Yeah. Just like I, I when, go with you know Americans are capitalized. I mean, uh, uh, um, I don't know when when Americans are considered you know fat and, and toxic and warmongers whenever they yeah. travel and you know yeah. all Nigerians are scammers and shit like that. Like, it ain't <laughs> yeah. true. I mean, it's a lie, but you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, y'all know what but we're saying. I, I go with the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. That's okay. That's the, uh, yeah. the, uh, uh, the villain in this story. Yeah. And again, we can make that particular distinction because they are a communist country and they run all, or if not, you know, 90% of the businesses, all the significant businesses are, you know, supported by and supporting the Chinese government. That's, you know, offer it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we might be able to describe some things similarly happen- happening here in America, particularly in our uh, military industrial complex. But, you know, we're not talking about that today. We're talking about biochemical warfare, not warfare warfare. <laughs> we, maybe another day. Maybe we'll have, you know, uh, our homies, niggas that we know that work at Northrop Grumman and shit like that to come <laughs> on the podcast. And then, you know, that'll be another day. But yeah, it's it's really important that you know we don't conflate this information to just like jump to conclusions and you know shit like that. But in in doing that, uh, you know, I just wanted to say say there's a lot of like misinformation out there. There's a lot of incomplete information out there. When you know we're talking about China and shit like that, we don't necessarily know that you know things are coming from there. We can't you know there's not a literal paper trail. There are you know substances that so actually let me take one step back so opioids in general right opioids are a class of drug that capture not only uh natural opiates those that kind of grow from like opium plants and shit like that um which did fuel the opium wars in the 19 whatevers and then you have synthetic opioids like fentanyl and uh hydrocodone oxycodone things like that uh that can be developed in a lab Um, because again, salute to modern chemistry, we figured out what the structures were and and can redevelop them. So that's kind of where we're jumping off with like opioids, right? Yeah. Um, I'd like to uh, say mm -hmm. something real quick about opioids and and psychotropic drugs in general. Like it's psychotropic is 
basically means that the the substance has an effect on like your psycho your psychology your perception your uh you know how you're evaluating the the world from a psychological perspective and and this is not necessarily like an exact quote or something that i can point to specifically in the research but my understanding is that from a psychology perspective opioids meet this need for love and acceptance and warmth um you know it's kind of like this uh it's like it's like when people use opioids it's like they're being held by their mother like that feeling that personal internal feeling it's like a a feeling of of being loved you know I don't know, probably not describing this very well. Might have to cut this out, but yeah, it, it, it they are a substitute for a very significant psychological need and desire, which, you know, obviously there are the aspects of the physiological dependence, but, you know, the actual psychoactive effects can, I guess, be a proxy for that for some people, which, you know, may explain also why it's so addictive and why people love it so fucking much. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And and you know, when we're describing like the changing of the opioid crisis over time, it's really important to think about how the increases in strength of these opioids really took a stranglehold on um modern society, I guess I would say. But like basically it started in like the 90s or so with prescription opioids. People were in pain. Like I mentioned, you know, there were new new drugs that were like becoming readily available um uh, Oxycontin and shit like that, that, you know, doctors were just prescribing willy nilly like, oh shit, you know, you're in pain. Well, I'm gonna just give you more of this. Like, you know, we were having a conversation off mic about um, modern medicine treating symptoms rather than kind of trying to solve, solve problems or prevent, you know, different, you know, toxic outcomes, adverse outcomes. So it kind of started with overprescribing of prescription drugs. People, a lot of people getting addicted, getting those same feelings that you kind of mentioned. And then all of a sudden people were like, whoa, this is kind of bad. Like people are actually getting hurt, hurt by this, whether they're overdosing on prescription drugs or, you know, they're just doing toxic shit. Like they're, they're losing, you know, their livelihoods because the dosage just continues to not be enough for them. They're, they're in more and more pain. And again, we don't, you know, we're not trying to say that, you know, people should not, these, these drugs should be illegal. People should not get access to them because there's a lot of people out here in pain. A lot of these strong opioids are for like, you know, cancer treatments and shit like that. Where like, yo, they are like in legit excruciating pain. And even that is like a psychological thing that is very difficult for, you know, you to describe to somebody else. How do you describe your pain to somebody else? How do you empathize with somebody else having pain? Oh man, you broke your leg. I see that hurt. That must hurt, man. Wow. That's crazy. But you know, at the same time, my leg's not broken. I, I don't, you know, I don't know the feeling until, you know, my own leg breaks. And then uh, even there, my pain threshold might be a little different than anybody else's, which also, you know, has contributed to, you know, a lot of medical racism throughout history of, you know, where they used to believe, you know, this is not just a wives tale. They used to believe <clears throat> black people were, had higher pain tolerance than white people. And they would prescribe different things and it would lead to uh, stuff like, uh, black maternal mortality, uh, uh, higher rates of black maternal mortality and, and just different shit like that, you know, medical racism basically. But so after the prescription opioids were like, all right, you know, we kind of need to chill on that. People are still addicted. So what do they do? They go to the streets, you know, they belong to the streets now. So they're, they're getting heroin and shit and heroin is just, you know, adulterated nonsense. It's, it's that black tar. It's, it's toxic. It's just as bad as everybody says it is. Once you own that shit, 
you know, it's one of the most difficult things to get off of. Possibly meth is, you know, the only more difficult substance to break. I don't know that there's a scale of addiction level, but, you know, it's some shit like that. Um, And then, you know, as heroin, because a lot of this is, you know, a market drug drugs, you know, the black market is a real thing. Drugs, you know, sell themselves. They move based on you know, potency and, and strength and, you know, okay, I know this dude has the good stuff. Well, I'm gonna go here. And, you know, essentially heroin has started to be phased out. We're not even seeing that much heroin in like emergency department visits and, and, uh, um, death certificates and shit like that. It's damn near all. No more heroin. Yeah. Yeah. The shit's crazy. I mean, it's still out there. It's still out there. Don't get me wrong. You know, the cartel would definitely pull up and provide you with exactly what you need. If that's what you're talking about. But so what's Cameron from Payton Full pushing now? Bro, he's pu- pushing that that F. That Fent? Yeah, not the P. He's pushing F. Shit. He's pushing F, yes. So that's where we're talking about synthetic opioids like fentanyl, um, which are like way, way stronger than heroin, much stronger than morphine. Morphine is like the standard that you kind of describe opioids as. Um, morphine is one of those natural opiates um, that is... Uh, harvested from a plant i i don't know the process i don't know the process but it's it's out there there's like you know it it fucking blooms it blossoms i want to say uh like the ring around the posy song um from like uh nursery rhymes is about that shit um but uh, you know again look this shit up i I don't know i I don't know everything this is all allegedly but (laughs) yeah real quick basically uh i i just want to follow up on what i said earlier about the love thing i found an article from the new york times Definitely look at the show notes. We try to put links to everything that we talk about so people can be informed. We're not just some talking ass niggas. We actually kind of know what we're talking about. And then we were consult with the research after to confirm it and shit. But anyway, here's a quote. When people experience an opioid high, they feel warmth, safety and love, said Stephen Chang, an associate professor of neuroscience at Yale. This is from a New York Times article. That's because opioid systems have evolved in part to fuel the good feelings people get from spending time with friends and family, he explained. Damn. I mean, come on. That is the most addictive thing on this planet is the the connections and the love and, you know, the warmth that you feel with your family. And, you know, you you hug people that you love and they hug you back and all that. That is the most addictive sensation, in my opinion. And if you can get that from a drug. Matter of fact, where do I find me some fent? (laughs) Nah, bro. See, stop. Stop. You need to find you a family and get the love the good old-fashioned way. But I'm sure it (laughs) taps into some fucking, you know, base uh, fucking primal instinct of like, okay, you know, we... I mean, you know, it takes a village. You know, we we live in societies that prosper yeah. when we work together. And if you can manifest that through a substance, you know, just the feeling, you know, our brains are dumb. They just want the the feeling. They're they're chasing the endorphins, you know, whatever whatever it is to feel good. That's why we're so, you know, easily sated on like uh, you know, any kind of convenience to our lives. Like, oh man, you made whatever stressful thing that much better. All right, I'll take it. Oh, I gotta pay, you know, a fucking subscription fee. Okay. Well, <clears throat> people do it all the time. Brave, I almost said a prescription service for fentanyl, and that would have been really bad. That's that's a bad idea. We we're not suggesting that. My bad. <laughs> um, but basically, so we've got fentanyl in the streets going crazy and shit like that. Now, um, one of the big things that I wanted to talk about today is where the new, new, you know, quote unquote, fourth, maybe even fifth, fourth and fifth waves of where this opioid crisis is going. Mm. And wait, so, wait, wait, like, wait, 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 mm-hmm. wait, sorry. I didn't realize we were going through the waves. So wait, is is the opium wars the first wave? Nah, nah, nah. The, f- okay, the first so wave. Okay, so you're talking about three waves in the United States. Yeah, 
Okay. Yes. Yeah, the three waves are like prescription opioids, heroin, yeah. and then synthetic Fent- Fent- uh, Okay, opioids. gotcha, gotcha. We definitely yep. are in the throes of the uh, third wave. Uh, I, there's an article in Bloomberg, and there's a chart that just shows like from like maybe the early 2000s about how many overdose deaths are due to fentanyl or, or have fentanyl evolved. And by the time you get to the 2020s, it's just like vastly, vastly, vastly more fentanyl. Um, so yeah. Yep. Of course, like I said, Show notes, link will be there. Check it out. Learn you some yep. shit. Peep my dissertation whenever that gets published and, and you will again find all this information. But basically what we're seeing next is like, you know, it's adulterants, right? People are trying to figure out, okay, well, I got fentanyl, but homie down the street also has fentanyl. How do I make my shit more marketable, marketable more, you know, uh, uh, how do I just get my customers back? Like whether it's like fucking American Gangster, call that shit Blue Magic. We've seen all kinds of different names for different things coming out. But then also, if you can just alter the product a little bit, you know, whether you're selling it and you want the weight, the bulk of it to be a little bit more or, you know, quote unquote, more long lasting or, or, or different effects or whatever, they're adding adulterants, whether that's baking, uh, baking soda or other, you know, uh, non-psychosomatic. I, I forget the what's the word if it doesn't uh, infect, uh, affect your um, mental capacity. Is it psychosom- or psychosomatic? So I only know the opioids. Psychotropic drugs. Psychotropic, okay. Yeah. Yeah, non-psychotropic drugs. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Non-psychoactive, I guess. Non-psychoactive, okay. That's probably a better way to say it. But so, like, people are adding um, tranquilizers, uh, stimulants, things that, like, kind of counteract or amplify the effects of the opioids that are taking place. So, um, you know, we just talked about that that increase in uh, fentanyl compared to, like, heroin and shit like that dropping off. We're now also seeing stimulants, methamphetamine through the roof. It's going ham. Shit, it's crazy. I need that. <laughs> nah, bro. I'm just I'm telling you. Bro, if they're out here putting, mm-hmm. uh, uh, selling opioids and, and, and stimulants together in one package, yeah. Uh, go ahead and, and say then, that shit to you my know, dope. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> that's the thing. Obviously, it's really toxic because a lot of times people don't know what's in whatever the fuck they're getting. You know, you might go somewhere trying to buy some shit and you're getting, you know, a cocktail of all types of things. And again, speaking of biochemical warfare, this is not this would not be the first time, you know, obviously we talked about the opium wars, but fucking Germany was using methamphetamine to keep their soldiers awake awake during to uh World War II. Like that yeah. was real shit where they were just like, yeah. yo, we we need y'all to be up on game because the Americans are coming and we ain't got time to sleep and they'd be up, you know, 2 3 4 days at a time. Yeah. Um so it's, I, I read again, a book not unheard um of. during one of my courses here at Northeastern about that I, it's called blitzed um and mm-hmm. it's a, it discusses like it, it you know it, i think it also goes into other drugs and hitler was like hopped up on hella drugs um but they were like really pushing that shit like the soldiers were like basically being shoved or the drugs were being shoved down their throat you know and i mean i think mm-hmm. that just goes to show more how co- completely corrupt and decrepit the you know german military was um and evil during that time but it's like one of those things like you hear about all the atrocities but you don't you know that's another factor is like they were addicted to drugs these people were hopped up on evil and drugs yeah yeah and then just given the most evil of orders and they were like just going in and executing it's it's i mean it's toxic it's it's a terrible thing and low-key it sets us in a bad you know position for shit to happen in the future i mean low-key you know i'm not 
I'm not saying this. I'm not saying this, but you know, if we didn't have the opioid crisis, maybe 45 wouldn't have been elected. I, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out there that you know, maybe all these people were hopped up on pills out here in rural communities across America, and there are uh, urban rural associations between you know prescription opioids uh, use, heroin use. Um, I don't know that there have been any studies on fentanyl because fentanyl is damn near everywhere. And we're going to get into exactly why the fuck is going crazy. But like basically since 2013, fentanyl has been off the map going ham. So now we're 10 years later. And um, one of the big things that we're seeing now with like adulterants across fentanyl, and this is a, the crazy shit about it is like, we wouldn't even know the shit was there unless we explicitly were testing for it and kind of identified it. One of mm -hmm. the aspects of my job is to look for like emerging trends, whether it's in like social media posts, people talking about, you know, different opioids and drugs. And you can, you know, do a good bit of forecasting of like, oh, wow. So people started talking about this online and posting on blogs and Reddit and Twitter and stuff about fentanyl and opioids and stuff like that before people actually started dying. From it. You can you can literally map this shit out. You can see it. And so now we're trying to continue to do that. Um, I was on a paper, a, a study a couple of years ago involving uh, xylazine, xylazine in uh, overdoses, overdose mm -hmm. deaths specifically. <clears throat> and just to kind of download everybody really quickly, xylazine is one of those tranquilizers that I kind of mentioned as an adulterant earlier. People are seeing it. You're never seeing xylazine alone. You're only seeing it pretty much with fentanyl. So xylazine is not causing- So it's an adulterant. Yeah, it's not causing people particularly to overdose. It's actually a veterinary tranquilizer. They use it for surgeries and stuff. It's not uh, you know, FDA approved for um, human use. Is but it used recreationally? You know, like, is it something that outside of the fentanyl adulteration, is it is it like a recreational? Basically, should I, do I need to, you know, start messing with something? Bruh, no, <laughs> no. Because it, all it, all, it, it's a tranquilizer. It just make you go to sleep. Like it's Bruh, almost like you can't have Michael Jackson you, uh, abusing propothal and like using that shit to put himself to sleep, uh, oh, which is a yeah. drug used for like anesthesiology. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean. They they give it to animals to go under surgery. Like they're giving it to tigers and horses and shit, so they don't kick the fucking veterinarian while they're doing a surgery. That is that type of shit. It's not you. You can't have a drug called xylazine. That's the coolest name for a drug. Yeah, the name is not hard. expect me to 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 want to fucking shove that shit up my veins. <laughs> just this kidding. podcast does not does not <laughs> condone any of that. Just kidding, RTBTH nah. listeners. We are some uh, stand up gentlemen here, and we don't bruh. do any illicit drugs like that. I feel you though, like bro. There's an X, Y, and a Z in the name. Like, I know it's, it's fucking I know. crazy. But yeah, it's very similar to like clonidine, which is a drug used by or, or approved for humans. But essentially what's happening is people are adding it to like fentanyl supplies where it's like all powdered up. It's not even in, you know, the pill form. People have like pill presses and, and mills and stuff where they're putting the shit together. But basically they'll take the xylazine that, you know, they got a bottle or, or a uh, barrel or some shit possibly ordered from China. But it's also not a scheduled substance. So it's legal. Mm -hmm. Even fentanyl is not a scheduled substance. It's technically, it, it's prescribed. It's, it's you know, available. Actually, uh, fentanyl might be scheduled too. I have to look. Uh, yeah, I think it's scheduled too because you can't have it without a prescription um, type shit. But, but xylazine, you know, is technically, you know, out here in the streets. It, it could could be whatever it wants to be. But uh, the idea is that it, um, as a tranquilizer, continues to lower your blood pressure. You just kind of go into a more sedated state Drug dealers will tell you, oh, man, you know, it makes the high last longer or, or makes the experience on fentanyl or whatever last longer, which is, you know, marketing. But it doesn't have any kind of reversal agent like uh, naloxone or, or Narcan doesn't mm -hmm. work 
as well with xylazine. It, it may still work on whatever opioids in your are in your system, but like you're not going to snap out of it, but you're going to have like a super slow heart rate, you know? So that's where we're seeing um, more deaths. People are like, I mean, you know, that's like automatic and death and fentanyl and xylazine. If they're both, I guess, um, what's it called? Depressants. And and fentanyl is like a pretty significant one. I'm, you know, if you're if it's a tranquilizer, it's basically putting you to sleep. So together, that's just got to be basically just stop breathing. Um, yeah, actually. So what? Kind of. Yes, yes. So one of the things is like, uh, you know, you your body has like these autonomic responses, right? So let's say you fall asleep. It, it happens to us even regularly. Let's say you're falling asleep while you're driving or some shit, and you you gasp awake, like, oh shit, I need to be awake. Like that's a that's a response that your body has to protect yeah. you, to help you. Um, other reflex. responses, yeah, it's a reflex. Similarly, like, you know, passing out, fainting when like something happens, it, the goal for your body is to make you horizontal so your blood, you know, kind of goes to, mm. to other areas rather than having to fight, you know, gravity to go mm. to your brain. It's, it, it's, it's just another one of those. But this sedative, this tranquilizer that you're taking is now depressing or blunting those responses um, to like hypoxia or like low, low blood oxygen. Like, let's say you pass out and like your head your, your chin is on your chest. Like you can't breathe, you know, you have, uh, your airways are less open and shit like that. People are dying mm -hmm. from, from some shit like that. Or you're, you know, mm. you're sedated and you're just laying in the same spot. Let's say you're laying there for, I don't know, a day or two, three days. You're, you're getting, you know, your, your muscles are deteriorating compression. Yeah. Um, you're, you know, we're seeing in data, like there are lesions and shit. Um, think there may be some vasoconstriction that's happening but again this is this is new research and um you know we, we'll kind of get into it when we describe the uh conference yeah. that i went to yeah um so real quick so you, you're saying this is like an emerging fourth wave of and is it is it specifically xylazine or just adulterants that's becoming like very problematic for you know real quick i just want to say I was looking for the fentanyl article from bloomberg i found it and again show notes check it out uh, I just looked on Google and I just typed in Bloomberg fentanyl. The second result is an article from Bloomberg that says xylazine spreads faster than officials can act. Bruh, yeah. what's happening here? Well, so again, it's all right. So let's say you uh, overdose and you go to the emergency department. Most of the time, they're not going to give you a tox report. They're going to, they're not going to like test your blood or whatever. Like, all right, what, what's in you? They're going to Solve the problem, modern medicine again, treating like the symptoms that are in front of you. Okay, you passed out, whatever the fuck. Okay, let's let's get you up and then get you out the door. Cause that's just how the US healthcare system works. They're not necessarily like, you know, there are preventive measures like uh, you know, different programs and substance use treatment, um, facilities, shit like that. But like that's not, you know, effective against an overdose that's immediately happening right now. And it's very it's, it's again just an aspect of not being able to track like what's immediately going on, an emerging trend. We can track it when people are dying because you're you're getting an autopsy, they're doing a toxicology report, but all that death data is super delayed because you know we all the T's gotta be crossed, all the I's gotta be dotted. You really gotta know what the fuck, like death data is a gold standard, it's great. But you know, to really get to the nitty gritty of like cause of death and why, and you know, at the capacity of uh, you know, all the, death certificates in the United States, coroners, you gotta go medical dig up some reports. I mean, basically. And yeah. And <laughs> no, even okay. then, you know, the systems for, I mean, that's <laughs> hella dark, but uh, even the systems for doing that are like, bro, data quality is trash, man. It, there's nowhere where like the shit's going to be We've discussed this like, on a previous podcast about how, yeah. uh, I think you were working on some COVID stuff maybe, or maybe you, it was more like mm -hmm. 
uh, overdose stuff related to COVID earlier it's on both. in the podcast. Peep the Coronavirus Chronicles. Uh, but one, on one of those podcasts, I think you were saying how like certain states don't send in good data or so certain states don't give a fuck. They're just not sending data at all because they don't have to technically. And, you know, they, they, it just might not be a priority. Also, during the pandemic, you know, time frame, you know, there were probably some states that were like, look, we're not doing this pandemic shit. We're going to stay open. And maybe they were uh, kind of protesting by not sending data. But, uh, you know, I, if I recall, I think maybe Kansas was one of the states. That wasn't well, really. I'm not at here. liberty to say <laughs> any of the states right now. I'm just going to assume it's Kansas. Send your fucking data, Kansas. No, I'm kidding. All right. Yeah. But yeah, the data thing is we talked about it on the podcast before. But yeah, so it's, it's very difficult to identify like where the shit is popping off at. We are hearing epicenters in Philadelphia, the Midwest. But then all of a sudden it's like, yo, wait a minute. It's in Arizona too. It's in Georgia. What, what the fuck? So it's yes. Like, just like you said, it's very difficult to kind of, you know, nail down. And one of the things that, you know, the government has been trying to do uh, aside from like, you know, producing or, or, or um, proposing an increased budget uh, to Congress for like drug overdose prevention research and shit like that, which they do, you know, present an increase in budget every time. But that shit gets slashed because it's always a war. It's always, you know, Ukraine or some shit that's going on that, you know, they really care about because, again, fucking, you know, warfare versus biochemical warfare until it, you know, is directly affecting politicians like that you know they don't give a fuck but a couple of weeks ago um the biden harris administration uh had an announcement where they basically designated fent fentanyl combined with xylazine as an emerging threat to the united states um it was a pretty big deal there was a uh uh rx summit which is a um, prescription conference that uh you know a bunch of different stakeholders come to sometimes presidents come and speak they they haven't been doing that since trump but uh he did speak maybe like 2019 or some shit like that. Obama has spoken at this shit. Different um, mm -hmm. stakeholders like uh, uh, people in pain management, physicians, a bunch of physicians, epidemiologists, doctors, uh, informed people and also uninformed people on both sides who are like, yo, don't tell us, you know, don't give these prescribing guidelines because people are in pain. They're hurting. They need this stuff. And other people are like, yo, you're giving too much. This is, you know, and, and that line of like what's enough and and particularly protecting people from themselves is impossible to find. That's that's yeah. just a human condition thing. We're always going to be, ah, damn. Well, what if we did a little more? But we probably should do a little less. It's yeah. it's it's one of those constant battles. Herschel, um, let me so ask kinda, you. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you some. So so two questions. So. How so? You say that you had been on a paper with with the Zazing stuff. So, how like much is that? Is this part of like your kind of main research area these days? Like, are you like kind of tapped in? Like, you you really are kind of following it closely. Secondly, where in the lifespan of this crisis or emerging crisis has the Biden Harris administration landed in terms of being proactive or being late? Because you know, the full fentanyl, I mean, I mean, fentanyl and the opioid crisis, it was like, oh, yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of a problem, but, you know, this isn't, doesn't seem to be, oh, oh, shit, oh, shit, hella people are dying, 100,000 people a year are dying, we have a crisis, we have an, a national emergency on our hands, and it's just like, how did, where did this come from? And fentanyl, too, is like, okay, yeah, I mean, you hear a little bit about it here and there, yeah, some people, Prince, oh, Prince should have been fucking around with that. By the way, Prince, DMX, Michael, Michael, DMX, too? Yeah. Michael it K. was somebody Williams. recently that they just, uh, Coolio, I want to say, that where they they were like, okay, they finally released the cause of death as mm. fentanyl overdose. Yeah. Well, Michael K. Williams, for sure. I think Prince as well. 
Um, but but you know, so you hear about things like this and that and here and there, but then next thing you know, boom, we have a fucking national crisis on our hands. Like, so where do you think the so first question, how much are you involved with the Zazin research these days? Uh, secondly, where is the Biden Harris administration later early to this? Like, are we have we dropped the ball again or are we finally getting ahead of it? So again, the thing about it is like emerging substances, emerging trends are like damn near impossible to identify. Like you're looking, you're looking for a needle in a stack of needles. Like what's gonna be the next thing? You know, it's it's almost like looking for the next LeBron James coming out of high school type shit. Like we, you know, it's a lot of people that we say, oh man, Zion, Zion gonna be it. But like, you know, you see how that type of shit pans out, right? It's it's so it's really tough. Like anything to have your finger on the pulse is you know a pretty good goal um and that was you know a pun also um <laughs> sorry terrible joke terrible <laughs> terrible joke but <laughs> i couldn't resist i couldn't resist but basically is that because so, people who are reviving yeah, pulseless <laughs> yes who are that is a thing that we see they have to check yeah. their pulse for damn yeah niggas come in a little bit of a like, morbid pun there herschel very sorry that's very what we do on the podcast that. though hashtag rtbth <laughs> Drug overdose is serious, man. It's it's all bad. But um, yeah, so the Biden administration approach is an interesting one. And again, there's people on different sides of this shit, right? Where like, oh man, do we take the Nancy Reagan approach of like war on drugs? Like, man, throw all the shit away and, you know, lock people up and do all kind of shit like that. But like, we see that that doesn't work. When you put a focus on some on things, you know, when you make a thing taboo and illegal and, you know, difficult to, to access, human beings are great at fucking piracy at finding a way to get to that shit no matter what so do you in doing that are you making it more dangerous for this for for marginalized groups of people who are also in pain working you know uh in rural areas with like you know labor intensive jobs where they're more likely to get injured on the job and now they need some you know opioid prescription for whatever and you know and, and this is anecdotal but like that's kind of the broad picture of like what's happening you know i didn't work in a uh you know, labor intensive job and I hurt my knee and they prescribed me, prescribed, prescribed me hydrocodone in 2009. I didn't even finish the bottle because I didn't like how it made me feel. That's, and that's another thing. Like, yes, for some people, it's like a true, like strong bond and, and uh reaction and response that they're feeling. And, and for others, it's, it's a nausea. It's a, it's a sickness. It's, it's rejected almost. And maybe, you know, had I taken it a little more, maybe I would have felt that. Um, but thankfully my parents, you know, being aware of the situation were like, yo, you know, let's, let's make sure you're not taking too much of these. Like, you know, we'll give you the extra strength Advil. Cause you are in, you know, I had surgery, you're in pain. People are in pain, but like, you know, you, you need to be careful with prescribed substances, particularly those that alter your mental state. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. We could do a whole podcast on this, man. I've been on yeah. this for a minute and I'm not very happy with what I see in, you know, particularly with like treating mental disorders, mental health complications with medication. It's problematic to me, but we can set that aside for now. Yeah. Uh, you know, just to harken back to what you mentioned earlier, the show Dope Sick, good show. Uh, I believe, is it AMC produced? Um, I don't know. It's on Hulu, though. That's where I watch yeah, it. Yeah, it's on Hulu. Yeah, that's where I watch it as well. Um, Michael Keaton is one of the star Yeah, he does characters. a great job, actually. Yeah, but but that idea of like, like you know, getting kind of hooked and little caught up you know his spoiler alert his character you know got hooked on opioids um i forget, i guess was it the uh yeah so it was about the sackler so it was um yeah damn what's their what's their drug called uh, uh oxycontin 
Oxycontin, yes, Oxycontin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but there's that the girl, the young girl, you know, she like mm-hmm. got hooked, and then she was trying to get off it, and her family was trying to help her, but then she eventually got hooked and overdosed and died. And it was from for her, it was just an injury, you know. It was spoiler just like, alert. <laughs> yes, I said spoiler alert, but yes, definitely spoiling the whole thing right now. So. Uh, Sorry for the listeners who haven't seen it, who want to see it. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a real slippery slope. And, and it's not really like, I mean, your dad's a physician. So, you know, he was a very significant factor. I mean, obviously, you know, I wouldn't suspect that you would be the type to get hooked on, you know, opioids and then you progress to heroin. That's, that's kind of the thing. You, yeah. you never know who's getting involved. And one of the theories behind like why, you know, politicians and stuff like that, uh, uh, big uh, CEOs and things are making large donations to the cause for, you know, over, overdose prevention and stuff like that is because they're now having like family members and young sons and daughters and nephews and nieces and stuff like that, that are getting addicted to drugs and then killing themselves or, you know, just, just losing their lives, you know, stealing from like people from good families, even in the show that you described, Michael Keaton is a physician and was prescribing that shit and then got hooked on it himself. Yeah, and was going to the doctors and and lying and be like, oh man, I got back pain, and you know, from being sports fans, we already know back pain is one of the most difficult things to like truly diagnose. I mean, any pain, any you know, somebody tells you they're in pain, you can either believe them or not believe them. Like there isn't really there there is there are scales that you know physicians try to use, but like how accurate is that when we all you know are are you know living our own lives, experiencing our own you know minute pains and you know micro pains all the time so it it makes it really difficult and then you know to kind of readdress your question earlier but like about like how do we address the crisis that's going on and how are we doing first off you know awareness is really important you know getting it in the news is a positive thing but at the same time you know when when does it become glamorizing when does it become you know oh well that's that's something that young people will seek out because they know that it's considered toxic. And, you know, everybody these days is, you know, on that YOLO stuff of like, all right, well, you know, I got, you know, but so long to get it in. And like, I'm not going to be the one to get addicted. I'll be okay. I have, you know, these, this access to these resources and doing this and that. And then all of a sudden, you know, it it just kind of spirals out of control. So I do think that, you know, this is better than trying to sweep it under the rug, but I don't know yeah, you know, I, I don't know the solutions. I, I'm on the surveillance and epi side. I'm not as much on the prevention side. We try to inform prevention by saying, all right, so these these groups are, you know, at higher risk. These groups are um having these particular issues. They're relapsing here. These people who are prescribed this are actually also taking this. So so when you are treating these people for this, you know, make sure you watch out. Uh trying to inform, you know, the doctors that are on the front line. I actually had a physician ask me, like, oh man, you know, so so what do I do about this? I was like, bro, that's not my job. That's that's your job. In fact, when you have somebody in your emergency department or wh- whatever that's, you know, overdosing and you can't, you know, get them to uh respond, they're unresponsive and naloxone and, and uh Narcan and shit like that isn't working. I mean, it's, it's again, this uh, epic struggle of chemistry of like, all right, there, there will be a new solution. There will be a quote unquote cure to this, just like Narcan was developed and discovered as like, okay, this is uh, a a new combatant in this war, but it's not going to stop. Even once we, you know, defeat fentanyl, there'll be a new thing that pops up, which is again, the human condition of like, all right, there's always going to be something we have evolved from, um, infectious diseases as, as a, uh, first world country to chronic diseases of, you know, obesity, diabetes, and shit like that. 
to now, well, there are, you know, mental disorders and stuff like that, but I don't even know what you classify. Well, it's, it's substance use treatment. It's, it's pain disorders. It's pain management. It's, it's shit like that. And well, I don't know, know what we do next. I don't know how we all evolve from this. I mean, me personally, you know, this is a sociological angle, but I feel like, you know, we are, we are in a nation that where people where many, many orders of people don't have great purpose and they have like a very negative outlook, whether it's job circumstances, you know, financial stuff, uh, people are having difficulty with their families. And, um, I mean, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of pain to go around, you know, and there's so many disparities. Yep. Socioeconomic disparities are a pretty stark one in our country specifically, you know, the disparity between the wealthy and the not wealthy. And, um, but, but it's not even just that stuff. It's purpose, you know, like people who, you know, do, who work, I guess, low skill jobs or labor jobs are not being paid like a, a great wage. You know, it's, it's. It feels harder and harder to take care of a family with just having a standard job without, you know, having like the most complicated fucking like knowledge, you know, intellectual cerebral job there is out there. Like if you just want to do a regular job and take care of your family, it's becoming less possible. And again, more there's plenty of pain to go around. And, you know, when you are looking for some sort of salve and I'm not saying specifically just opioids, but the entire spectrum of of somehow alleviating that pain is is going to move in a negative direction when it's this chronic and it and is just persistent and you know I don't want to blame the government completely cuz I don't personally believe the government can solve our, all our problems but you know when the government has dropped the ball on so many things people are going to turn to alternative solutions and sometimes that is uh you know these pain medications medication in general but but I think you know we we're in a state where people think and, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, a lot of this is physicians, too. Like, this, the solution to a lot of problems is some kind of medical intervention, whether it's some kind of, like, you know, procedure or, or medication. But to me, that's just a short-term band-aid for actually trying to develop change and a healthy lifestyle and mutual respect for all people and mutual dignity. Anyway, went on my sociology high horse there for a second, but... Um, no, I feel you. And so one of the things that we wanted to, that kind of sparked this conversation was like, should we be treating fentanyl and all its adulterants, just, just the crisis overall as a weapon of mass destruction? Like, should it be, should it get a designation so that, you know, more resources can be thrown towards finding solutions and, and just mitigating the pain and, and suffering and burden that there is on society, uh, economically, on the health system, on on people's you know mental health psyches, you know, if you have a friend or a family member that overdoses, you're gonna be kind of fucked up for a bit, you know. And already, you know, the mental health crisis is kind of going. You just alluded to this; it's, it's going ham in the United States. The pandemic didn't help, where people were out of work in a lot of different spaces, and you know, didn't necessarily have jobs that uh, they could do working from home. And even then, you know. You stuck in the house and, you know, seeing other people on social media, having fun. It's, it's tough. It's, you know, we live in a, a society, truly it's, it's all bad. So yeah. I think that, um, well, tell us about the conference, Herschel. That's how okay. this whole podcast got sparked. 
All right. So I went to this conference. Uh, it was called ACMT, the American uh, College of Medical Toxicologists. Uh, these are these are toxicology doctors, basically. That bro, that's are like the most obscure scientific shit ever, bro. We've all oh, we've yeah. all been there. Like all of us researchers, I'm sure. Hey, oh, by the way, we didn't mention our very, our official third co-host is not with us. He's in Nigeria right now, looking yep, fresh. Um, yeah. at a wedding so shout out to her hey i'm sure he would definitely drop some knowledge on us but yeah man all of us man we'd be going to the most obscure science like no one would ever hear about these conferences unless you were there yep <laughs> anyway go and on, they sorry. just nerd out about their talk <laughs> shit they Hell had a yeah. fucking cake uh so so a lot of the stuff is like oh man snake bites and just t- toxic any, any toxic congestion that might um occur at a large scale for human beings so a lot of the snake bites spider bites or shit like that but it also incorporates a lot of drugs a lot of drug talk and xylazine was the fucking bell of the ball at this shit everybody had some shit to say about it and it was not good it was not good they were showing you know uh doctors were coming in with like oh man you know i had this patient they had all these lesions i'm not sure what the fuck is going on they are you know uh abusing opioids uh, you know, xylazine may be in the picture, but we don't really know. Oh, we got this toxic report back. It is in here. Um, oh, by the way, they're shooting up into the skin lesions that they're having. Um, there's like all types of necrosis and shit hap- happening. So again, I think I mentioned earlier, um, I'm trying to find the, the word uh, cytotoxic, I think is is a better word where, you know, it's basically, you know, toxins that are just bad for, the, for cells. It's, it's killing your shit. And then all of a sudden, your fucking limbs are falling off and people are coming into the hospital for that rather than for the drug overdose. So we don't even know that you're abusing this shit. We just know you're in here because you have some other problem and then they're treating that and maybe not necessarily getting you as quickly out the door. They may keep you for for extra tests and just kind of try to figure out what's going on. But like, there's not a great way to stop this. Uh, I think that maybe if we were to schedule xylazine as a substance so that it's not as easy to access, and if you Googled it right now, you probably could find a, a, a barrel. But you, even now, though, because it's kind of hit the news cycle, it might be a little I already more put an order in, bro. Difficult. Oh, bro, I see. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> God, I'm about to be strung out. <laughs> yeah, bro. I'm about and to pull the feds up to the be knocking crib. at your door like, um, excuse me. Excuse me. We heard on RTBTH. <laughs> we heard it here first. In fact, that uh, you were ordering uh, barrels of xylazine i'm like i'm just playing a character fbi screw you Yeah, this is satire this is satire (laughs) this whole thing we don't know a goddamn thing but yeah so they were they were just describing like yo what the fuck do we do we you know this is where we're seeing it at we're seeing it in every literally every sample of fentanyl that was coming in you know upwards of uh, 90 plus percent you know, I don't want I shouldn't say 100 percent, though. There were some labs that were like, yo, every sample that we tested, we, we tested 150 different different samples. And, and we stopped testing at 100 because 100 in a row were positive for xylazine and fentanyl. And we thought the test was broken. So we stopped. Damn. But even then it was like, yo, hold up. You know, Damn. there's it, this is actually uh, an accurate thing. And, and that may be, you know, again, drug supply. Like, OK, if. It's, it's unlikely that all those samples came from the same person. A lot of the times these are, um, or the same drug manufacturer or whatever. But like, these are convenient samples. It's not like, you know, we're random sampling every single mm. dosage of fentanyl around and, and being able to accurately identify. We're only, you know, again, in terms of surveillance, we're only seeing what's showing up. You know, it's similar to COVID of like, yo, if, or uh, I forget what uh, that thing was. It might have been the vaccine or some shit where uh, Cardi B or, or Nicki Minaj was talking about their cousins, aunties, uncles, somebody in the Caribbean. Yeah, their shit Nikki. fell off because uh, they got the vaccine. And it's like, yo, that 
one, that's not how it works. But two, we don't even know that that might be a possibility unless you come tell us about it. And yeah. the fact also, that you what have, vaccine was you taking? Like, yeah, exactly. Say it's like, a vaccine, but exactly. You know. So that every time you know there's a level of dilution of like the information, um, yep. it makes it more and more difficult to track. And again, mortality data, death data is is probably the best, but like it's delayed. And you know, one would argue it's a little too late by that point because at least that person has died. Sure, we could pr- try to use that data to save lives in the future, but it's you know the the epic battle. It's, it's the constant battle of like, all right. So you know, now that we have this new information, what what can we do about this for the next person or the next generation or whatever? So I think that you know we're on the right track, I guess, in terms of like studying it, looking for it. Uh, I've been asked to do a couple of different like uh, queries to to try to search the data that we do have to identify like, all right. So where is that shit for real? Like what, what do we have? But even then, data quality is is difficult difficult to come by. And it doesn't pop up as like, oh, you you overdose on xylazine. You're always xylazine is not a, a substance that you'll overdose on. Uh, I'll just say that that is just a fact. It, it'll put you to sleep. You 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 could die, but it's not necessarily an overdose if you overly sedate yourself and just never wake up. That's it's just malpractice, I guess. But it, it's not malpractice, I guess, if you're not a doctor, but like you poisoned yourself. You basically poisoned yourself. I guess you could consider that an overdose. It's, it, but that's just not the way that it's consumed. You don't get the highs that opioids give you, so it it wouldn't really be that type of that type of party, pretty much. Mm, yeah, I got gotcha. you. So, um, so yeah, so let's let's get into the weapons of mass destruction talk. And I mean, so you sent the uh, conference information. You were just like, yeah, I'm checking. I'm going to this conference, and I think we've had like little conversations here and there about fentanyl and you know how it's sort of exploded onto the scene in the in America in the US. Um I forget do you remember the title of the conference of the of the talk? Nah, I would have to look it up. But I did add an article here that's basically like fentanyl as a qu- as a chemical weapon. So it it kind of gets into describing it not only as a pharmaceutical but like as an illicit substance that people are misusing, you know, beyond that so this also kind of stemmed from, you know, I just watched uh, Snowfall, which just ended great season. I don't know if you watched that, but you should definitely check it out. But basically, it's a story uh, loosely based on Freeway Ricky and how the CIA flooded Compton and other black communities with cocaine that was then developed into crack cocaine to fuel the uh, war in Venezuela and um, the Contra Wars, shit like that, right? So, like, it was an operation. This, these are like clear documents, uh, released doc- Like, this is gov- like real shit that happened. Isn't that part of it is not a conspiracy theory? But for this, you know, people are you know speculating. People are speculating that you know fentanyl has is being used in similar ways of like, oh well, you know, if we just get it out here in the streets, these communities will destroy themselves. And oh, if we make some money off this at the same time, then you know it. It, it benefits us, particularly in the case of uh, what did you say, CCP or yeah. PPC, yeah, People's CCP. Republic of China. What's what's the acronym? Well, People's Republic, Communist Party, PRC, CCP. Uh, but so CCP for is them, Chinese Communist Party, Chinese Communist Party. So basically, you know, they can't go to war with the U.S. There's there's money involved. They you know benefit they profit off of us, and we also profit off of them. We have an economic relationship that is strong, regardless of how our political relationship is, especially with, you know, Russia just right around the corner there, buddy, buddy, whatever. But if they have found a way to, you know, flip the script of the opium wars of what the Brit- British did to them, where again, it was an economic relationship that they had where the British were profiting off of Chinese labor, 
Um, if they can kind of do the same thing, like, oh, there are these consumers over here in America, we can sell them whatever the fuck and do whatever. And then we can also incapacitate them by getting them addicted or a percentage, you know, a percentage of Americans addicted to some substance that, you know, we can manipulate, we can control. And just, you know, this is just another, this is just another hole in their armor that, you know, they, they can kind of exploit. It's, it, it could be considered toxic. Yeah. It, it's, this is speculative. Like there's no way to, for us to prove like that this is the case. But the fact that it is, you know, affecting the masses in 2021 alone, again, I mentioned that the the data is delayed. So we only have like provisional data for 2022. We have nothing in terms of death data for 2023, but 2021 alone, it was over hundred thousand deaths. That's the first time that's happened in history. Uh, and it's only going to go up as, you know, more crises happen. You know, we, we're doing what we can to, to slow that increase. Hopefully, you know, we can get it down, um, you know, get more information out to the streets, you know, and. I don't know if dare programs and shit like that are the the way, but informing people to the danger of uh, people to the dangers of misusing substances and just knowing what they're consuming yeah. is probably the the next best thing that we can do. So another aspect of it is like a pharmaceutical tourism that also happens where, for example, uh, because the U.S. healthcare system is super fucked up, people who can't get whatever they've been prescribed or whatever they need. They'll go to Mexico. They'll go to Canada. It's it's more the case in Mexico. But let's say you go to a pharmacy in Mexico and you need Adderall. You need, you know, a light prescription of, you know, some some painkiller, some opioid, some whatever. One, you're going to get it whether you get, have a prescription or not. It's a high possibility that you'll be able to access what you need. But two, it may not necessarily be what you asked for. You know, there are where, you know, there are adulterants and stuff like that. And let's say you bring this stuff back and now you've spread it to a community and, and people are making these trips, you know, for sure. Yes, there's, you know, Mexican cartels and stuff that people need to watch out for. But like that doesn't stop people from traveling. Like, as we know, even the pandemic, people were out here in the streets. I was out here in the pandemic streets trying to trying to travel and, and see the world. Um, so just because there are rules and regulations doesn't stop people from breaking those motherfucking rules. Which is, you know, again, a human condition. Um, so yeah. I, think, I think that awareness is the way. I think that, you know, we need to, again, rethink the U.S. healthcare system. But again, easier said than, than done there. Uh, we're trying our best to, to go into a more preventive strategies rather than just, you know, treating symptoms, preventing, prevention and intervention. But, you know, prevention is the way. Like, that's, that's how we're going to save money. It's way cheaper to stop somebody from ever even, you know, getting to that point than trying to pull somebody back from the edge. You heard it here first. Tick us up. Tick us up. Tick, tick, tick us up. That's what I do. That's how hey, man, it's going to make your head Tick us up. Tick, 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 tick us up. Five letters, five words. Five letters, five words. Uh okay. Uh yeah, man. I actually had to had to fix some issues with the audio and whatnot. So we back. Hirsch, what were you talking about? Do you remember? You want to keep get us going? Yeah, man. So I wanted to kind of wrap up the conversation on WMDs because there were uh some like actual congressional uh acts that were put forth uh last year um trying to, to describe it as a weapon of mass destruction and one of the things so first we should probably like define that uh so a weapon of mass destruction is basically something that you know is 
capable of, you know, affecting a large group of people and is really toxic. And the way that they wrote it up, and I think it was Kentucky that actually wrote this shit up that was like, due to the low cost of production, inherent lethality, and vast availability, fentanyl is an ideal chemical weapon for bad actors. Um, and then, you know, attorneys and stuff are always writing shit that kind of describes it in like worst case scenario when, when they say stuff like, oh man, just two grams of milligram, two milligrams of fentanyl are needed to kill an adult. Like that's not really how the body works. Like if you were a person that was continuously taking fentanyl for, you know, a prescription or whatever, or, or just taking it recreationally, you know, your body would be more used to the two, two milligrams. But like, let's say you are a 150 pound adult person and all of a sudden you took two milligrams of fentanyl yeah that that could kill you and even that you know i'm just saying some shit basically i i really uh don't you know i don't know the numbers to it there, there's a, a greater science to like the the half-lifes and, and chemicals and shit how, how it's working within your body but also there was a recent uh literally just yesterday uh and you know we like to shout out the new england journal of medicine but they just dropped a uh, new xylazine acronym, basically. And it's uh, <laughs> it's called FACS, F-A-A-X. <clears throat> Fentanyl uh, adulterated or associated with uh, xylazine. So again, we were talking about how <laughs> wow. the name is kind of hard. Bro, you can't be out here dropping <laughs> hard ass names for, for drugs and, and, and poisonings and shit like that. But like, you know, there are uh, the described number of deaths between 2018 and 2021. And that shit has jumped from like below 500 to 3,500 in in a three year span, which is still, of, you know, of, in terms overdoses? of numbers, overdoses involving uh, overdose deaths involving xylazine. Yeah. And so the paper that I did was on 2019 that we still only knew about a certain amount of it. And even then, motherfuckers got to test for it. If you're not testing, you know, let's say you have like some commercial lab uh, like. I don't know, uh, LabCorp or Quest Diagnostics or, you know, th those are some of the bigger ones around the country and stuff. But like, if they don't have it on the panel or the the medical office or the doctor's office that's sending the tests into the laboratory to be tested are not saying, yo, maybe you should look into xylazine. We have no clue. It could very well be that xylazine has been out here in the streets for a while and we just didn't know. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So that it, it's really toxic there. It's, it's really concerning there. And it does have the potential to you know negatively affect a whole lot of people kill a whole lot of people but i think that the hyperbole is almost as, i don't want to say almost as dangerous but it also could be dangerous of, you know, of we, calling it a wmd yeah you i mean that just it again you know amplifies with no no other no better way to say it it just makes it cool you can't be calling stuff weapons of mass destruction willy-nilly you can't be giving stuff cool acronyms you, you just can't do it it's not uh, so our society is really fucked up, man. People are going to seek that type of shit out. It happens yeah. all the time. It's, it's happened with shit like tattoos, piercings, where, you know, our Puritan society tried to push people away from shit like, you know, just, you know, tangentially associated with sex or, or an alternative lifestyle. People are drawn to that stuff all the time. Yeah. People are going to be drawn to drug use. It's It's a culture in and of its own. So how we treat it, how we go forward is really important. We need to be strategic. We need to be tactful. Um, I don't know that there's a good way to do it. I, and I'm not saying we just ride out the storm. Like there is, you know, shit that we need to be doing, preventive strategies that we need to be putting in place 
um, which we are putting in place in a lot of different ways. And probably the biggest thing is making sure that we're up on game, like looking still, you know, identifying like, all right, what's this is, this is emerging. Okay. So we can at the very least make it less or, you know, not as bad as it would have been if we didn't do anything which is also what happened with COVID. COVID was pretty bad for a lot of people, but because of measures that were, you know, steps that were taken, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. You know what I mean? And people, you know, society doesn't necessarily always see that. They just see the bottom line, which sucks, but that's also the life of a researcher, a scientist. You know, you don't necessarily always see the fruits of your labor in the ways that you wanted it to be seen. Um, life just don't work like that. Yeah, I read about the WMD thing a little bit, too. Um, it was brought as a bill or a bill proposal um, by some Congress people, one of them being Lauren Boebert, who is a firebrand uh, politician and does like <laughs> every photo op she does is with a gun. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Um, but yeah, I mean, from what I understand, though, w, like you said, the WMD classification is a little extra, not a little, it's kind of a lot extra. And and the thing is that they they were like a WMD is like it's in terms of chemical warfare um, is you know like the sort of agents that you can sort of spread o o across a population quickly that can kill a lot of people quickly you know like the uh, airborne agents that kind of thing you know and I guess this concept of fentanyl being readily accessible easy to manufacture sort of thing is where that idea comes from and you know I mean some of these house uh congress people are are pretty extra you know um but my understanding is that and, and i've read like you know very briefly i've read like a, a sort of like a legal analysis of of this classification and it's not very appropriate it's not very apropos it sounds like you kind of agree with that for the most part herschel uh but but th this, th the scary part to me is that it's like it, it does feel like fentanyl is invading our country. You know, people are using drugs recreationally. You know, there's one thing if people are addicted to drugs and they overdose or they or their use just escalates. You know, you start off with the pills, then heroin, then fentanyl. But there's it's another issue of people are just trying to get, you know, the sort of standard recreational drugs, um, at least the ones that come in powder form. And it's adulterated with fentanyl and now apparently xylazine. Um that feels like an invasion of some kind. And I, I know we briefly talked about the CCP. I think a lot of the fentanyl uh, precursors are coming from China. Um, the manufacturing behemoth that China is, you know, you probably know more about this than me, Herschel, but apparently China is also like a, a, a pretty much the greatest manufacturer of chemicals um, in the world is my understanding. But, but, but those chemicals go to, Mexico and the cartels are the ones involved with the, you know, pushing a fentanyl into our country. So is it like, is it chemical warfare from China? Is it chemical warfare from the Mexican cartels? You know, it's, it's a little nebulous of a concept from what I can well, tell. So that's the thing. That's the thing, you know, that, that like path to entry, you can make that same argument for other things. Like for example, oh man, the U S sold these guns to ISIS and then they were killing a whole bunch of people. Oh, then ISIS or whatever it was before it was ISIS turned their guns that were sold to them by the Americans on, you know, U.S. troops. You know, wh who's to blame for that? You know, we we were knowingly, you know, providing uh, bin Laden. Uh, I don't remember, like, the exact facts behind it, but like he was a freedom fighter at one point. 
um, before he became, you know, super radical and blowing up the World Trade Center and shit like that. Like, so the question would be like, is the CCP like knowingly aware of what it is they're doing? And they, they, yeah, are, they got point. It. Like that's, that's kind of the thing. Um, so yeah, this, you know, it's out of kind of the hands of the Mexican government. Like they can do what they can to crack down, but like there's corruption and shit there. And, you know, even in the U S there's corruption like that, you know, it's not just it, it, like you, like we started this podcast off kind of saying you can't paint, you know, any nation really with such a broad brush to be like, oh man, they're to blame. And this is how we stop it. This is how we get them. We, you know, we set tariffs, we uh, boycott, we do this and that, like that, that type of shit doesn't work in this, this global society that we now live in. I don't, I don't know how we solve it really. It's, and, and we don't have enough information about China itself and, and, you know, uh, living conditions there to say like, oh man, you know, are they suffering from an overdose crisis? in the same ways that we are. Um, and if so, how are they handling things? Uh, what we do know is that, you know, there are overdoses happening in Australia. There, you know, it's happening in Europe, other developed nations, things like that. But what I have read in research is that, you know, in Australia, which is in close proximity to China, it's not happening in the same trends that it's happening in the US. They, they have fentanyl issues, they have overdose crises, but they, it, it's not, it's just not the same. It's and that may, again, be some societal differences that they have over there of how they approach medicine. They have uh, I want to say that, uh, that Australia also has a universal health care system. I'm not positive on that. But again, look it up. But yeah, there, there are a lot of moving parts to it. I don't know. I don't know how we solve it. And, and again, we need Chinese industry for all the other shit that we want. All these iPhones and, and shit like that that people love. That's where you're getting them. All, all your Nike sneakers, that's that's where they're coming from. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword where, you know, all right, well, how do we stop them from exporting the bad stuff, but continue them exporting the good stuff that we want and need? Exactly. And I bought many of things off Amazon that happened to come from China, and I wasn't mad about it at all. <laughs> Shout out yeah. to Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a complicated situation just um the uh whole fentanyl thing in general you know it's it's it spans both of our disciplines which you know are not that far apart i don't think um but you know in some ways it's like they're pretty diverging you like you're in biostatistics and epidemiology and i'm in mental counseling and psychology but they the, the fentanyl thing like really taps into both of those areas pretty significantly in terms of, you know, the, the widespread nature of it on your part and the, the sort of like personal circumstances that are leading people to use, um, to sort of fall down this pathway towards this, you know, very destructive, like opioid entanglement on my part, you know, the emotional components of that. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess we were, just trying to like make sense of some shit that doesn't make any kind of sense. Some people have tried to make sense of it by calling it a weapon of mass destruction. That seems quite uh, hyperbolistic. Oh, yeah. That's that's definitely extreme. You mentioned this talking about uh, Lauren. Or I always want to call her Lorena Bobbitt, but I know that's a different <laughs> crazy white woman. But 
Yeah, and and the thing about it is, like, it's it's a substance use issue that stems not only from opioid use, but like I was mentioning, stimulant use is also you know very much on the rise, and it's causing a whole bunch of other like behavioral consequences, neurological deficiencies, suicidal ideation, psychosis, uh, just general hostility and violence. You know, obviously, we have the internet where it seems like violence is happening all around us all the time, you know, whether it's the internet or local news or whatever showing you murders and all kind of shit that, you know, makes you just think every big city is a fucking war zone. It's not necessarily the case, but there is shit out there that's, you know, causing people to react toxically to everyday life. You know what I mean? Um, And that probably again speaks to, you know, the dosing of U.S. society. Indeed. Um, The, uh, the talk uh, that I mentioned that you told me about is called Med Talks and Modern Warfare, Radiation and Current Events. Oh, anyway. you're talking about from the conference? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that was like uh, on some broader shit too, because they're, I mean, at this toxicology conference, they're talking about anything that kind of could be toxic, really. Mm-hmm. But uh, many of the t- discussions there were focused on um, not only fentanyl and opioids, but xylazine, um, other stimulants, uh, fucking cocaine overdoses in, in youth, um, synthetic cannabinoids, you know, and, and toxicity uh, occurring there, particularly in like underdeveloped minds and shit like that. But yeah, that, that conference was a whirlwind. There, there were a million things happening. So I, I don't remember exactly what went down. That was like, I mean, it was a month ago now, um, <clears throat> happened at the end of March. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's always interesting to go and and listen to like other scientists doing the research, boots on the ground, physicians seeing patients that are like presenting with different things. Um, one of the dope things about my job when I actually had first started, um, because we're trying to like understand basically the front lines of like who is seeing people overdosing and shit like that, whether it's EMS uh, officers or fucking healthcare providers in the emergency department. We we toured the Grady. Uh, shout out to Grady. The uh, category five or type five trauma care center. It's it's the biggest trauma care center in like the Southeast or whatever, but we toured their emergency department talking to them like, yo, all right, so when something comes in, how how is it treated? What's going on? Are there standards? And the real answer is yes. And also no, you know, people are are putting in whatever the fuck, you know, we're we're getting different dialects and different slang terms used um, across the country. Whenever people are writing up like, oh man, I had this patient come in and this, this, this happened. There's there are codes, there are standards to an extent that like get billed to like uh, insurance companies and shit. So like there is something of a track record, but it, even then insurance companies don't give a fuck. They, they care about the dollars. They, they want it to be quick and, you know, get their information in and get it out uh, and then pay out what they at the very minimum have to pay out. But there's a bunch more information of like, you know, a chief complaint. You come in, you tell the doctor 10 things, they might write down one or two of those things, you know? So it's very difficult to grasp the true uh, breadth of, you know, what's happening. We have, you know, a good idea just because we've been doing this research for a while now. Um, And even when I say for a while, the shit really didn't kick off uh, in, in, the truest sense till 2019. They didn't really start funding the shit for real until, I mean, you know, it just so happened your boy joined the team in 2019 and we really started getting our shit together. You know, I'm not saying that they, those two things are cor- correlated, but 
yeah, they, you know, people weren't studying this in the capacity that they should have um, <clears throat> for quite a while. And, you know, maybe some lobbyists had some things uh, to do with that. The same thing happened with tobacco. We didn't start studying tobacco for real until like 2011. Um, and again, tobacco lobbyists and, and big tobacco was out here like, nah, you don't need to worry about that. They, we've all heard about the the old studies where they were like, oh, no, it's actually good for you now. Nah. So I would wager that something like that kind of delayed us getting on the bandwagon to study um, uh, opioids and and kind of really hold pharmaceutical companies and stuff like that accountable for them fucking flooding the streets with poison. But I mean, we, we'll never know. Some of those things are, are just like big money. There's conspiracy theories for real. Like, yeah, we talk about the fun stuff and the funny stuff of, uh, you know, the NBA and NFL being rigged or whatever. But like, it's real shit happening behind these doors, behind these closed doors. There's real conversations. There's real lives that are being lost. I, that's probably the biggest thing. I got you. I feel you. Uh, real quick, um, the the presenter for that talk, is his name is Ziad Kazi or Zayat Kazi. Great name. Yeah, I think um, he works at Grady also. Well, he's of Emory uh, faculty, so shout out to him and shout out to Emory and shout out to Grady. Um, dude has three Z's in his name, man. That's that's pretty incredible. Hold up, I gotta. I shook this dude dude's hand. He was he was a nice guy, nice person. Um, interesting doctor. I don't know that much about him though, but he gave me like a bit of his rundown. But yeah, he I think he dropped the Emory thing and uh, told me he was like a uh, clinician at Grady too. Oh, he's just staying with Grady. All right, well, well, he he just does a whole bunch of shit. That's the other thing. Like this dude is a older doctor. He I gotta find his name to like re- really Google that shit. I'm almost positive that's who uh, told me that. Gotcha. Cool. Well, uh, chemical warfare, actually. I'm changing the title because I, I, of the podcast because it's not – I don't think it's technically biochemical warfare, um, but that that's a podcast. Herschel, <laughs> um, do, do we, we have, have time, time to discuss, discuss my, my mea, mea culpas? culpas? We, we do. do. Okay. I want to hear him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I've been teasing this for a little bit. I got three mad culpas. I actually might go ahead and release them on another Instagram exclusive or a different podcast. But if you want to listen to it, you got to go find it if it's not on this podcast. But Okay, give me a second to breathe.